The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Councilmember Gabriela Santiago Romero. Member Santiago Romero has indicated in a memo that she will be absent from today's meeting and has her absence approved in advance. Okay, uh, Mr. Chair, you have a quorum. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, next, we will move to the approval of the minutes. Uh, members have been provided the minutes from last meeting. Do I have a motion to approve the minutes? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Uh, today, uh, we have a few robust discussions on pilots uh, in the committee. Uh, I will ask members of the public to note that line items uh, 5.2, 5.3 and 5.5 will be brought back uh, after, or we will ask for a motion for it to be brought back uh, after we return from recess so we can have a more robust discussion on these issues uh, as they uh, are very important issues uh, and we'll take some time to discuss. Uh, but next we will move into our public comment. If you would like to participate in public comment, and you're joining us virtually, please indicate so now by raising your hand. Again, if you'd like to participate in public comment, please indicate so now by raising your hand. If there are any members uh, here physically who would like to participate in public comment, please indicate and come up uh, to the mic and the podium. Uh, I don't see any members of the public that would like to participate here with us today. Uh, but Mr. Leonard, how many folks do we have online virtually to participate in public comment today? Good afternoon, Mr. Chair and honorable committee members. Today we have seven hands that are raised for virtual public comment. Okay, thank you. Members of the public, please note you will have two minutes for public comment. I ask that you state your name for the record uh, and then proceed. Who is our first caller, Mr. Leonard? Mr. Chair, our first caller is D2, victimized Detroit retiree. D2, victimized Detroit retiree. You have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Hello? Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah. Um, my name is Karen Winston for the record. Um, and I'd like to speak on um, a couple items. One would be um, the, the city's tax roll. I'd like to know when was that presented to council or what day and what day was, you know, what day was it presented? I'd like to go back and watch that. I miss, must have missed it, must have missed that meeting. Um, and also I wanna ask, I'm just a question, why aren't we able to, to see uh, all of the council meetings at least for as long as um, the mayor has been in office? We should be able to go back and review, you know, the videos of the meetings you know, so we, if, even if we want to study them to study the changes, which I do, you know, to see, um, you know, make sure that everything is going correct. We should be able to access all of those without asking for them. Everybody and anybody should be able to see them at their convenience, you know, not so they could be altered or doctored. So I, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see all of the, uh, all of those being accessible. The other thing is the risk management council, the risk management fund. Um, where can we find, you know, that information? I find it in the charter, but I don't see that we budget our finances to make these departments 
that uh, are the higher risks, such, such as DPD, and, uh, fire, and DDOT, but they're supposed to be able to pay those fines from their budget. So that might help, you know, having so many cases if it's coming out of their budget, because that means now they can't do a whole lot of other things. So I'd like to see us, um, you know, investigate that. That'd be something good you guys can assign while you're on your recess, you know, so we can start doing, you know, things correctly, uh, like they're supposed to be, not like people tell us they should go. Last thing I'd like to speak on, the refusal to uh, give uh, retirees any money is evil, wicked, mean, and nasty. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ms. Winston. Uh, in regards to your questions for the archives of the video, uh, if you'd like to contact our officer, we have your email. We will inquire about that for you. Uh, my email is councilmemberderhaw, D-U-R-H-A-L. Again, it's councilmemberderhaw at DetroitMI.gov. Uh, you can submit that question to our office, and we will try to get an answer for you uh, for that one. Uh, Mr. Leonard, who do we have next? Mr. Chair, our next caller is... Marie Sheehan, Street Democracy. Marie Sheehan, Street Democracy. You have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Hello, are you able to hear me? Yes, we are. Hi, my name is Marie Sheehan. I'm an attorney at Street Democracy and a member of the Coalition for Property Tax Justice, where I direct the uh, coalition's property tax appeals program. Um, although today I am here as an ally of the Right to Counsel Coalition, I'm here because I understand that the status of Right to Counsel funding is now um, held in this committee. Um, uh, as an ally to that cause, I'm asking that Mayor Duggan follow the law fully fund and implement the Detroit Right to Counsel Ordinance. Um, it's important that um, the city fully fund the ordinance through ARPA funds or the $198 million budget surplus. Since Detroit is in a strong financial position, there's no excuse for not fully funding the Right to Counsel Ordinance. Um, there has been $18 million uh, allocated for or approved for Right to Counsel um, and the, the, the mayor's budget really leaves right to counsel and thousands of Detroiters unprotected from eviction at the worst time of the year. So we're asking that you uh, tell Mayor Duggan to stop leaving vulnerable Detroiters out in the cold and fully fund the right to counsel ordinance this year. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, and just for members of the public to know, again, there is a discussion uh, for right to counsel. We will be uh, asking later that we uh, for a motion to bring that back. Uh, after we come back for recess so we can have a robust discussion about that. Uh, next caller, please. Mr. Chair, our next caller is Tanya Myers-Phillips. Tanya Myers-Phillips, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Good afternoon. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity to comment. Tanya Myers-Phillips on behalf of the Detroit Right to Counsel Coalition. Um, certainly want to thank both members of the council for approving right to council. And we're continuing to ask you to use all the influence of your office and position to advocate that the letter of the law and the spirit of the law be followed. We're asking and we're demanding that Mayor Duggan follow the law and fully fund and implement the Detroit right to council ordinance. It's not a um, wish, it is a law. We're asking that this ordinance be funded 
through the $198 million budget surplus or the ARPA funds, which the city has received nearly a billion dollars to rescue the people, precisely what the right to council ordinance was created to do. Without doing that, we are making this city and this mayor is making a conscious decision to leave thousands of Detroiters out in the cold. The eviction rates are returning to pre-pandemic levels and it's absolutely a waste of resources to allow this to happen when we can fund the Detroit Right to Council Ordinance. I also want to speak briefly to the acknowledgement by Corporation Council. I appreciate the work Corporation Council is doing. However, Corporation Council does not have the authority to initiate funding. This comes from the mayor and we demand funding and accountability from our mayor. Finally, I support Councilwoman Santiago Romero's uh, proposal to reallocate money that would have been spent on ShotSpotter, the ARPA money, and to divide that um, for right to council mental health in the land bank pilot. That doesn't get us to 18 million. We need the full 18 million as the law requires and as our people deserve. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next caller. Mr. Chair, the next caller is Ruth Johnson to see that. Ms. Ruth Johnson, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Good afternoon, Ruth Johnson from Community Development Advocates of Detroit and a member of the Detroit Right to Counsel Coalition. I agree with attorneys Marie Sheehan and Tanya Myers Phillips comments, but I would add that uh, a, a, a profound thank you for this council for passing the law. We've had robust conversations and discussions before it was passed and since it's passed. The time is now to follow the law, fully fund the law and implement the law. It's important we do not postpone action on this law for January when people are losing their homes and out in the cold, in the streets, living in cars, our shelters are full, our nonprofit organizations and providers are overburdened. We demand that Mayor Duggan follow, fund, and implement the law now. There's no reason to wait. There's every reason not to wait. It's important that the city of Detroit establish a fiscal year 22-23 budget for the right to counsel of 18 million as supported by the Stout report. Provide full legal representation to legal, to eligible Detroiters facing eviction. And I would just add the council should use its full power and authority not to approve any contract for legal services that is outside of the right to counsel ordinance that is undermining the existing law. But in addition to set up an office of eviction prevention, hire a qualified coordinator for that office to start doing the community education and outreach that got us to this point and will continue to help us move forward from the housing and eviction crisis we're in. But it's important to contract and pay qualified, experienced nonprofit legal services providers under the ordinance, establish guidelines, and begin planning, monitoring, and evaluation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ms. Johnson. And I will note again, uh, we are not just postponing any action. Uh, the council has already taken action, uh, passed a resolution for a right to counsel, uh, and that was the action that we have taken. 
Uh, as far as what is on today's agenda, again, there's no resolution, there's no action. It was a discussion that was put in this committee per uh, council president. Uh, and we want to be able to have the correct response and information for the public. Uh, I always try to operate, as well as my colleagues through this committee, a level of transparency. Uh, and we want to ensure that we have all the information for the public and not parts of information relative to the right to counsel before we bring it forward. And this is why we're going to bring it back. This is our last budget finance and audit session. We don't have uh, all the information for it as of today. Uh, so it would be inappropriate to have that discussion, which is why we are looking to bring this back uh, after we return from recess. Next caller, please. Mr. Chair, next caller is Renard Monshunsky. Mr. Monshunsky, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Good afternoon. My name is Bernard Roshensky. Um, I'm calling as a resident of the city of Detroit, District 6, uh, where I reside. Um, I'm calling specifically to support uh, Angela, Council Member Angela uh, Woodfield Calloway's um, ordinance to ban cashless establishments in the city of Detroit. I definitely agree with this proposal because um, um, the city's, um, you know, barriers with being um, unbanked um, about a uh, significant population of our city is unbanked and having businesses that exclude cash paying customers um, is a form of discrimination on um, class and race. And we don't need to have this practice in Detroit. Um, you know, every, you know, one should be able to pay in a form of money that they're, that they use and should be able to use. So, um, you know, just wanted to give my support about that. Um, in terms of right to counsel, I do understand this is an administration heads, but uh, as a member of the public, this is something that they do not need to slow walk on. We have a crisis in the city, a housing crisis, and then something really needs to be done about this because while many of us have the luxury of going home to our um, homes, a lot of people that have called in the city council this week are living in hotels or bouncing place to place and do not have that, um, I wouldn't say luxury, but would not have that ability to go home to their home. So we need to do something about that in the city and um, wanted to uh, express support for the right to counsel. Uh, I yield the rest of my time. Thank you. Thank you. Next caller, please. Next caller is Detroit Unity. Detroit Unity, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Uh, for the record, my name is Reuben James Crowley Jr., lifelong resident of the city of Detroit, and I call with numerous issues. Namely, one, uh, Detroit Police Department. Um, this is the Budget Audit and Finance uh, Committee. The budget of the Detroit Police Department includes money for patrols in the neighborhood. It needs to be audited, totally audited, and the overtime records looked at, and the amount of patrols, the number of patrols that patrol the number the city of Detroit needs to be looked at. Uh, I would gather that you would find that information if you were to subpoena Chief James E. White before this committee and ask him to explain how many patrol cars are over at the 11th Precinct patrolling uh, the 11th Precinct on a daily basis and provide information on the <clears throat> special requests for patrols and how they are dealt with. Now, James E. White, the uh, police chief of this department, has not released the names of those officers that uh, killed Por Porter Burks. 
and um, was very dubious in his press conference in relationship to Keisha Miller. But now there's another matter. The murder of Kenesha Coleman. Kenesha Coleman did not shoot herself. She's labeled as a suicide by the Detroit Police Department Homicide Division. This committee has the power to subpoena the commander, chief, and all the homicide division, if necessary, that it participated in the investigation of her murder, not suicide, and forced them to explain how it is she has a suicide designation and the amount of money that was spent to come to that conclusion of suicide and that narrative being pushed forth. How much money has been spent on that? Thank you very much, Mr. Crowley. Next caller. Mr. Chair, next caller is Evan Villanueva. Evan Villanueva, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Are you there, caller? I believe Mr. Villanueva's call has dropped. Okay, uh, we will put him into, into the end of the queue just in case he pops back up. But who will do? Uh, who do we have next, Mr. Leonard? Uh, next caller is Jim Dwight. Jim Dwight, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Oh. Hello, council members. My name is Jim Dwight. I'm with the Right to Counsel Coalition, and I've uh, been a resident of District 1 for 38 years. I have some statistics for you from 36th District Court for October 14th through October 10th through the 14th. During those four days, 112 new eviction cases were filed at 36th District Court, 43 default judgments entered and 85 writ of evictions ordered in four days. That's 85 families thrown to the curb. This really has to stop. It's going on right now. It's gonna be continue going and we need to fund the right to counsel fully. And I have a couple of ideas going forward that no ARPA funds passed by counsel unless and until the right to counsel is fully funded that's either now or during recess. No non-right to counsel legal service contracts funded unless and until the right to counsel is fully funded either now or during recess. It's a crisis as the speakers have before me have talked about and I see it on the streets almost daily. I get phone calls from people that are, that are hurting We've got to do something about this housing crisis. Housing is a human right. Thank you all very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Dwight. Next caller, please. Mr. Chair, our next caller is T. Tanisha Sanders. T. Tanisha Sanders, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Hello, my name is uh, Tanisha Sanders. I go by T. I am the housing organizer with Detroit Action, but today I am representing Detroit Right to Council. I do appreciate everything that the city council is uh, doing right now. Well, let me take a pause. 
congratulations for getting married, Mr. Durhall. Okay, now let's go back. Um, pretty much, um, I'm talking to people daily in all seven districts, and rent has went up astronomically. I hope when you guys revisit this that you are taking consideration that rent, you can't find nothing under 900. You find something at 900 right now, you're doing a good deed because at the end of the day, it's $1,000 or more. We also need affordable housing to go with right to council. Not, we, we're not gonna call it affordable. We talking about equitable housing because affordable say you can make 40,000 a year. Well, we need equitable housing according to people income. We have now structured a place where everybody care about people that's coming in that's a working class. But what about those that has retired? What about those that's on a set income? What about those that's disabled? And what about those that just lose their job from the pandemic or more? We are asking you when you revisit this, that you reconsider the amount of money that right to council needs to be fully funded from. We do appreciate this. And I'm hoping that we don't have to, you know, bring all our members in to talk because we can take care of this ourselves. If not, next meeting, if we're not hearing what we need to hear, we're going to have to bring all our citizens from Detroit and really show up. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Sanders. Next caller, please. Our last and final caller for budget finance and audit 2022 is Evan Villanueva. Mr. Villanueva, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Evan Villanueva, uh, Detroit Right to Council Coalition. Uh, so yes, I'm here to advocate uh, that we fully fund the right to counsel with the original $18 million uh, that was promised um, through city council for, uh, from ARPA funds. As most of you may already know, evictions are back to pre-pandemic levels, which makes that an absolute crisis. Um, we, um, you know, the city has been dragging its feet uh, on setting up an office of eviction defense that was supposed to be done by October 1st. Um, we're also being told that the original $18 million over three years that was promised for the program has now been reduced to $6 million. And I think that that's an insult to the people of Detroit. It's an insult to the, the nature of the crisis. And it's an insult to the city council who already uh, have agreed to appropriate this money um, for those purposes. So the city um, and the mayor's office will bend over backwards to make sure that um, tax abatements are given to millionaires, to make sure the police department gets all the money that they need to expand surveillance and give uh, raises to officers. But when it comes to the uh, directly affecting uh, vulnerable people, people who are facing crisis, um, uh, facing eviction, facing homelessness and housing instability, it seems that that does not seem to be as much of a priority. Uh, and so it needs to be made a priority. And that means that um, there needs to be visibility on this issue and there needs to be follow through and commitment on this issue. So that's why I implore the city council to make sure the full uh, $18 million of ARPA funding or whatever funding uh, whether it's the budget surplus funding goes to right to council and make sure that we make families whole and that they have the protection they deserve. Thank you. Is that our final caller, Mr. Leonard? That is our final caller and it concludes virtual comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Uh, we will move on to unfinished business. 
Line item 5.1, status of the Office of Contracting and Procurement, submitting a resolution of authorization for contract number 6003729, amended 100% city funding, amendment one, to provide an extension of time and an increase of funds for FEMA consulting services to assist the city of Detroit in COVID-19 disaster cost recover services, contractor Guidehouse Inc., Total contract amount, I'm sorry, pardon me, contract increase amount, $1,600,000. Total contract amount, $6,288,790. And this was from the Office of the Chief Financial Officer, uh, which was brought back. Uh, Who do we have to discuss? I think we have Ms. Sabatini online today to discuss this. Members, we have a motion to uh, discuss line item 5.1. Motion. Thank you. Ms. Sabatini, how are you today? I know we brought back this uh, before. Uh, from my understanding, it seem, and seemingly we're going to have to bring it back again. Okay. Uh, is everything great with it? You're muted, Ms. Sabatini. Good afternoon, sir. Lorianne Sabatini, LPD. Um, congratulations on your nuptials. And I am so excited to say that this morning they updated the tax clearance. It expires 11-16-23, and this contract can now move forward at the pleasure of this committee. Thank you. That's great news to hear uh, regarding this contract. Uh, Do we have anybody online to speak specifically uh, to this contract uh, from OCFO? Uh, Just to briefly remind the public again what this is. Mr. Neglick, I believe. How are you? Good, uh, yes. good afternoon. Please proceed and just give us a brief overview. I know we kind of went over this last week. Uh, we were waiting on a tax clearance for this, uh, but just want to remind the public of what this contract is again and what it does. Uh, Mr. Chair, I'm sorry. I've been multitasking while your meeting was going on, and I'm 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 specifically on for line item 6.1, uh, but I could probably comment on the other one as well. What can you, I'm sorry, could I ask you what line item you're asking for OCFO comment? Yeah, no problem. This is line item 5.1 contract number 6003729 for provide an extension of time and an increase in funds for FEMA Consulting Services from Guy House, Inc. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm sorry, Mr. Chair. I'm not the subject matter expert on that. That would um, be Tanya Stoudemire, our other chief deputy CFO. Um, but um, yeah, as you know, with, with all of the um, grants that we got during COVID, we were very careful knowing that when we get federal grants that there'll be subsequent audits and we wanna make absolutely sure that we, we're not gonna get questioned and have to potentially pay back money in the future. So I, I do know of this contract um, with, with Guidehouse, but I can tell you from the OCFO perspective, that's the reason it's important to us is they're the ones that have our back, so to speak, to watch us to make sure that as we spend federal funds for things, you know, like COVID or in the, when we previously had flood disasters that we're absolutely complying with the federal rules. So we're not putting the city at risk for later, but I'm sorry, that's as much as I know about, about this one. Um, But, but I think the reason for the extension is, 
we're still processing a, a lot of a lot of those grants and processing costs against them and and as you know when plant moran came in and made the presentation to city council they are outside auditors that also audit our compliance with these grants and and we're on track to finish our 63022 audit before the end of december and and we'll then come back before your committee in january to show you the results of that audit but that's the reason specifically we have consultants like guidehouses to make sure that on very sensitive federal grants that we're absolutely compliance with the rules that are sometimes very specific and not ones that we deal with all the time. All right. Thank you. Uh, any questions? I'm the vice chair. Okay. Uh, I think that gave a brief overview. Obviously we want to ensure that we are doing things correctly uh, relative to ARPA funding. Uh, and remaining in the guidelines, and so that is a necessary uh, tool that we need uh, to ensure that we remain compliant uh, with federal standards as well. Uh, if there are no other questions, uh, do we have a motion for line item 5.1 to send a formal with a recommendation to approve? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 5.1 will be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Thank you all. Appreciate you, Mr. Neglick, and we'll see you for line item 6.1 very soon. Next, we will move to line item 5.2 from the law department, uh, submitting a report and proposed ordinance to amend chapter 17 of the 2019 Detroit City Code Finance Article 5 Purchasing and Supplies by amending Division 1 Goods and Services. Uh, again, this is uh, also known as the Responsible Contracting Ordinance. Uh, we have had an opportunity to speak with Council President Sheffield, who has uh, submitted this ordinance uh, or who is the sponsor of this ordinance uh, and we will be bringing back this ordinance uh, after we return to recess to bring parties to the table to discuss this ordinance that is not necessarily simple in nature and we want to get feedback and buy-in from everyone relative to this ordinance and who is affected by this ordinance um, and so with that being said uh, members do we have any comments on that uh, chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Yeah, uh, and Mr. Chair, if this is inappropriate, just just tell me after I'm done. But I I, I I just got a question: like, why are we talking about this here? Like, we've already passed this. We already did our part. I mean, you know, to the administration, I I, I just feel like this is something that a conversation that the public should be having with the administration. I don't understand why we would be talking about this unless we're talking about appropriating more money which I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable with until I get an answer of what happened to the money that was supposed to already go to it in the first place. Remember, I hate to cut you off, but yeah. I have to have a motion to open this up for discussion. Oh, I'm sorry. If, if we're going to go I'm that, that deep I'm into it, so to have a motion to open up line item 5.2 for discussion. Motion. Okay. Remember Young? Vice yeah. Chair Young, please proceed. You know, I'm sorry, Dr. Terry. I just dove right on in there. I just jumped right on up in there. Um, you, you know, just, you know, just from, you know, I, I just don't, understand why we're having this conversation here after we pass this already is there anybody from the administration at all that could just kind of answer this um through the chair to member young so there is no one online at this time but we can we are scheduling a meeting with your office to further discuss please because I, I i just you know because i don't want to be just flip and just start you know giving out like the bear's number or something like that i don't think that's going to do anything but at the same time 
I just feel that this is not something that we've already passed an ordinance that's supposed to fund this. I don't feel like we should then have a conversation about where the money is going when that when we've done what we're supposed to do in the legislative branch. That's out of our jurisdiction. We make the laws. The executive executes the laws. This seems to me more of a question of execution. And so I don't know why we would have this comment. I'm not saying we can't have it. I'm not saying I'm not open to it. I just want some further clarification of why we're having it here. So that's it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm Double Chair. And, and Member Young, uh, when we bring this back, this is one of the reasons we're bringing it back. We will have uh, multiple uh, parties to come in and speak to this uh, proposed ordinance by Council President, uh, as well the administration will be able to chime in uh, further. Uh, folks are still processing this ordinance. Obviously, as it is new, it is not simple in nature and complex, so we want to afford the opportunity to really have it heard and uh, hear both sides of this. So um, that being stated, do I have a motion to bring back line item 5.2 to be determined? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 5.2 will be brought back to be determined. Uh, and I will state that it is the intention to bring this back uh, once we get back from recess and looking at what our agenda and schedule will be. Uh, and we will definitely get it back on the agenda. Uh, next, we move to line item 5.3, status of Council President Mary Sheffield submitting a memorandum relative to request for information regarding claims demolition contractors being allowed to be 1099 workers in violation of a city ordinance. Do I have a motion to open up line item 5.3 for discussion? Motion. Okay, so uh, this is another uh, memorandum. This was submitted by Council President. We have submitted it. I'm, I'm sorry, we had uh, referred it to the law department. Uh, from my understanding, they're still working on this. Uh, we have the intention as well to discuss this as it is uh, somewhat relative to uh, the previous uh, line item uh, and want to be able to have a fruitful discussion on that as well and get the information uh, that is desired. Uh, so do I have a motion to bring back line item 5.3 to be determined? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 5.3 will be brought back to be determined. Next, we will move to line item 5.4, status of council member Angela Whitfield Calloway submitting a memorandum relative to requesting ordinance to prohibit cashless establishments. Uh, establishments. Uh, Member Vice Chair, do I have a motion to open up line item 5.4 for discussion? Motion. Thank you. Uh, to the Law Department, uh, do we have any information uh, relative to the request submitted by Member Calloway? And I know we have also Mr. Corley online from LPD. Uh, have we, do, do we have any information relative to this ordinance as of yet and this memorandum? I'm sorry, pardon me. Good afternoon, Mr. Chair, and um, I would like to join everybody else and congratulate you in your recent nuptials. Um, so I would, can I defer to Mr. Corley, and I will double check real quick. Thank yeah, you. Yes. Mr. Corley? Well, good afternoon, Mr. Chair. Um, I do not have... The item before, oh, let me see. No, I don't. I'm sorry, that's something else. I didn't have the item before me. Uh, I don't recall if it was referred to LPD for a report. Um, so you may uh, want to bring it back unless you heard otherwise from Councilmember Callaway. 
To the Mr. Law Chair, can we bring this item back to the end of the agenda and I can check with um, Attorney Sharon Blackman. This was assigned to her. Okay. Uh, Member Vice Chair, do I have a motion to bring back line item 5.4 to the end of our agenda? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. And we will bring back line item 5.4 to the end of our agenda. Line item 5.5, status of President Mary Sheffield, status of Council President Mary Sheffield's request to discuss funding for the right to counsel. Uh, note that Council President during public comments has requested that this issue be a line item in BFA, our committee. Uh, and this was brought back as directed uh, from the formal session on November 1st. Uh, and so this is going to be a discussion. Uh, we have spoken about this earlier. Uh, do I have a motion to open up line item 5.5 for discussion? Motion. Uh, and so uh, as indicated earlier, and I know we got a lot of callers calling in about you know the right to counsel and, and funding uh, for the right to counsel. Again, we want to be able to give uh, correct information uh, and, and uh, afford the public transparency on what is going on with the funding uh, from right to council. Uh, and at the time that we bring it back, I anticipate we are going to hear from uh, the law department or corporation council, as well as the office of contracting and procurement uh, relative to right to council. Uh, again, we want to have a robust discussion. Uh, I will remind uh, the public that council did pass uh, the right to counsel. Uh, and so this is not anything necessarily that we are trying to hold up uh, for the public. We definitely understand, and, and I you know, speak for my colleagues, I know uh, we understand the situation that we are in relative to evictions here in the city of Detroit, uh, and m the rest of the members and I are dedicated uh, to ensuring that we uh, do what is right for our residents. Uh, but we also have the responsibility to providing correct information and ensuring that whatever we provide to the public uh, is able to answer the questions that they may have uh, to this issue. Uh, so other than that, I know Member Young, you may want to chime in on this uh, for uh, as well, uh, but I will be asking for a motion after uh, to bring this back to be determined. Uh, so when we return from recess, we will have everybody lined up. We will have the ability to get the answers to the public uh, relative to the funding uh, and be able to have the, the correct information. So uh, the chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. You know, thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Chair. I appreciate your patience. I'll make it real quick. I mean, unless this is just we're asking questions, just probative, you know, of the administration of what's happened with the money and we're trying to, you know, get to the bottom of what's going on with this. I mean, I understand that. But I mean, uh, uh, I'm, the reason why I, I'm, I'm saying, let me expound on it a little bit clearly. The reason why I'm saying that is because this isn't budget. And usually when you're talking about budget, you're not just talking about accountability, you're talking about appropriations. And so it's like, I just don't feel comfortable giving appropriations to something we already appropriated money to and passed, and they're not using that money to fund the ordinance like the law says. You know, I just don't feel giving more money to that, you know, without having some of these questions answered. And, and I don't mean to tell people what to do or how to, this is just me just opining here on my suggestion. But I think that at some point in time, we should probably also have a committee of the whole just so we get to the bottom of what's going on and how this is and get the proper questions that we need for the public in terms of this. Because usually when you're in this under your leadership, this is a committee that not only does appropriation, it acts pretty efficiently and effectively. And so I'm just thinking to see this on this agenda here 
it just indicates to me that we're not just going to have the discussion about accountability. We're probably going to want to, you know, amend this situation through fi- through financial means. And I agree with that. I just like to know what happened to the money previously. So that's all I have to say. That's why we're going to have that robust discussion afterwards. So I appreciate the floor, Mr. Chair, and I give it back to you. <clears throat> Thank you, Member Vice Chair. And, and uh, you know, I agree with you to the points of, again, having the correct information uh, for the public. Uh, having uh, the level of transparency uh, and giving just a status update of what has transpired since uh, we have passed that. Um, I know, again, we are not going to go deep into the discussion today, uh, but I think we have someone from the Office of Contracting and Procurement to briefly just discuss uh, right to counsel before I ask for a motion to bring this back to to be determined in the new year so we can have a a more robust discussion on it. Uh, I believe we have... Uh, uh, Ms. Sandra Stahl uh, online right now to briefly discuss the right to counsel and the RFP that has been put out relative to contracting. Uh, if Ms. Stahl is on the line, Mr. Leonard, could you please promote her? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, yes, through the chair, um, I just have a quick update. The uh, RFP was put out for 30 days. It has closed and is now an evaluation. Okay, thank you. And so uh, we won't go too deep into this, uh, but for members of the public who are listening, there has already been an RFP that has been put out for 30 days that is going through evaluation. It is my hope uh, that by the time we come back, we have a update. We have an update on that because uh, although council is going to recess, the Office of Contracting and Procurement will remain open. Yeah. Uh, That's and- correct. And so when we come back, we should have a better answer for the public, which is why we are going to bring this back or ask to bring this back today. So thank you, uh, Director Stahl. Uh, with that, uh, members or member, Vice Chair, uh, do I have a motion to bring back line item 5.5 to be determined? Motion. Hearing no objection, line item 5.5 will be brought back to be determined, noting that uh, we will try to get it scheduled on the agenda uh, in the first few weeks in January uh, to have that discussion. We understand the urgency of this issue. Next, we will move to new business. Line item 6.1 from the Office of Contract and Procurement submitting a resolution of authorization for contract number 6003575, 100% city funding, Amendment 1, to provide an extension of time and an increase of funds to extend licenses, support, and maintenance for the Treasury Cash Management System. Contractor Emphasis Computer Solutions Incorporated DBA Emphasis Software. Uh, total con- I'm sorry, contract increase amount $100,000. Total contract amount $191,886. And again, this is from the Office of the Chief Financial Officer. Uh, Member Vice Chair, I have a motion to open up line item 6.1 for discussion. Motion. Okay, I think we have Mr. Neglick, Neglick online. I'm sorry, yes, I, slaughter thank you. Your, I slaughter your last name every time. I'm sorry. Uh, no, that, that's okay, Mr. Chair. A lot of people pronounce it differently. So um, I um, appreciate the uh, uh, opportunity to talk about this contract. Um, as the chair and committee know, um, the city's ERP system is Oracle Cloud. So Uh, We've got all of the city's books and records up on Oracle Cloud and have for a number of years now. But um, a number of purpose-built systems then integrate with Oracle Cloud to do things that it wasn't built to do. And one of those things is our 
a treasury system that tracks our investments and our debts. So the um, monthly report that the OCFO just sent to city council, it was the quarterly report for the September 30, 2022 period. Uh, there's a page in there that shows you our um, investments um, by category. There's also a page in that uh, report that we send to council that shows our um, debt portfolio and then the details. And so this, this system that we get through emphasis software is called Simpro. And, and that is the system where we track the all the detailed investments and debts. Uh, it's not a, a really expensive contract. The contract increase is $100,000 for a two-year extension. So it's $50,000 per year. But um, we've spent all the time to get uh, up and running on it. Oracle actually recommended it to us that this was the system that their other large uh, government um, Oracle Cloud customers use. So. Um, we're very happy with the software. Um, hopefully you're happy with the report we send you that shows the investments in debt um, each quarter. And, and so I just wanted you to see that this, this is the software that helps us produce that. And that's the reason we're seeking council's approval for an extension of the contract. Okay, thank you uh, for that. Any questions, member vice chair? Uh, pretty straightforward, obviously, again, uh, we are familiar uh, with this contract, uh, and uh, I am in support of this as well. So that being uh, stated, Member Vice Chair, do I have a motion to send line item 6.1 to formal with a recommendation to approve? Motion. Okay. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 6.1 will be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Thank you very much, sir. Next, from the Office of the Chief Financial Officer, Office of the Assessor, line item 6.2, submitting a resolution of authorization for GRPC for Limited Dividend Housing Association Limited Partnership Payment in Lieu of Taxes, otherwise known as PILOT. Grandmont Rosedale Development Corporation and Sanera have formed GRPC for Limited Dividend Housing Association Limited Partnership in order to develop the project known as Grandmont Rosedale Park Collective Two, the project consists of 35 family housing units located in tow vacant historic three-story building in an area bounded by Grand River on the north, West Outer Drive on the east, Midland on the south, and Minock on the west. The rehabilitation project will include five studio, 24 one-bed, one-bath, and six two-bed, one-bath apartments. There will be 33 parking stalls on the property available to tenants. Member Vice Chair, do I have a motion to open up line item 6.2 for discussion? Motion. Okay, and today we have Ms. Burke joining us again for a number, another one of our pilots. I also understand the developers on the line, Mr. Mike Randall or Jarrell Harris. Uh, if they could be promoted, I see Mr. Harris has already been promoted. Uh, I don't know if Mr. Randall was joining us, but whoever would like to proceed first, please go ahead. I would assume that would be Ms. Burke. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Chair. Um, today's agenda contains six pilots with five presentations, and uh, you have been provided with hard copies of the presentations. And uh, Mr. Randall was to proceed, but Mr. Harris can step right in. Okay. 
Mr. Harris, please uh, tell us more about the Grand Mont Rosedale Development Corporation. I know we have six pilots. We will be taking these separately all, because they are different projects, however. Uh, but let's uh, speak to line item 6.2, which is the Grand Mont Rosedale uh, D Development Corporation or Rosedale Park Collective 2. Please proceed, Mr. Harris. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chair, Mr. Vice Chair. Um, so we are here today to discuss the Grandmont Rosedale Development Corporation's plan to uh, renovate two vacant apartment buildings um, in the Grandmont Rosedale neighborhood. Uh, if Mr. Randall is on, he actually has a presentation. I know you all have the hard copy, but for the benefit of the public, um, we were going to share uh, some images of the project. So um, I can continue to talk through it, but he will have the the slides to, to show to you all. Okay, one, um, one, one moment, Mr. Harris, because I don't see Mr. Randall as of yet. Uh, Mr. Leonard, do we have Mr. Randall online? Mr. Chair, I do not see Mr. Randall unless he is signed in under another name. Mr. Randall, if you are signed in a, 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 under another name, please uh, raise your hand now so uh, we can find you and promote you to be a panelist. Uh, Mr. Harris, uh, although, uh, you know, we want you to go through the presentation. Uh, we'd like the members of the public to be able to see uh, this presentation and slides uh, as well. Mr. Chair, uh, does GRDC sound familiar, Mr. Harris? Yes, that, that's Grandma Rosedale. That's probably Mr. Randall. All right. Uh, promoting him now. They might want to unmute. Good afternoon, uh, committee. Uh, Mike Randall, executive director of Grandma Rosedale Development Corporation. I need uh, uh, sharing to be uh, granted to me, please. Mr. Lander, please provide sharing capabilities for Mr. Randall. GRDC. <laughs> sharing has been enabled. Okay. Uh, would the presenters please proceed? Host, host disabled. I'm, I'm, I still don't have capability. Okay, give us one moment. Here we go. So thank you again, um, committee, um, for the time. This is the uh, Grandma Rosedale Park Collective for LDHA uh, LP. Um, this slide you're seeing here is a few um, exterior as well as interior uh, shots of the um, historic uh, building on 9730 West Auto Drive. Uh, what you're seeing here is a uh, aerial uh, uh, Google Maps photo uh, showing the parcel uh, once again bounded uh, by the north uh, of Grand River um, to the east of Outer Drive, uh, south of Midland, and the, the west of Minock Street, nestled within the uh, uh, Minock uh, Park community. This is a site plan, again, uh, showing the three structures on the parcel and the uh, the parking that's available to the rear 
Uh, there's also parking available on, on West Outer Drive, as well as uh, Minock Street and other streets within the, uh, the neighborhood, being that, again, this uh, historic apartment building is, is nestled uh, within a residential community. Gerald, did you want to add anything? Um, I would just add that the um, the buildings are historic. Uh, they were built in 1939. Um, we've gone through the historic commission review process. Um, we've met all the requirements um, from SHPO. Um, and so we are uh, restoring it back to uh, a lot of its original glory um, while still making necessary upgrades um, to all of the interior units of the building. So this is the uh, three floor plans uh, um, that are available within the structure. Uh, so this is the one bedroom at 619 square feet. Uh, this is the uh, two bedroom at 843 square feet. And, um, uh, and obviously this is the last one, the smaller one is a studio at uh, 330 square feet. This is the uh, the rent breakdown for uh, each of the units. Uh, so uh, there'll be five studios available, again, at 330 square feet uh, with a rent range of $624 to $772 per month. Um, there'll be 24 uh, one-bedroom units available at $667 to $838 per month. There'll be two, uh, I'm sorry, six two-bedroom uh, units available um, between $788 and $1,036 uh, per month. And uh, one studio and one uh, one bedroom unit are 50% AMI. The remaining units are uh, capped at 60% uh, AMI. Um, and there are uh, home units that are included in the, in the mix of these, uh, of these offerings. Uh, through the chair, I would just add that, um, as Mr. Randall said, all of the units are affordable. They are all at 60% AMI or below, uh, which means that they are available to residents and families uh, making um, up to $48,000, and most of them will uh, qualify at much lower incomes. Um, we are here today requesting the pilot um, because, as you all know, getting affordable housing development done is extremely uh, difficult, and as prices have continued to rise through the construction process, I mean, as we, people are struggling with meeting rent levels, it was very important that we keep this development um, as affordable as possible. And so the approval of the pilot will help us to do that. So uh, we respectfully request uh, a recommendation of approval for the pilot for our, our development. Okay, thank you uh, for that. Uh, just really quick, can we, for the public, can we uh, clarify what home units are, which are included in the mix? Yep. So home um, is a, uh, a housing subsidy. Um, and so it allows us to charge uh, to even to lower the rents even more than we typically would in a 60% um, development. So that's why you're seeing um, some of the units as low as 50% AMI because we have um, layered in that subsidy of dollars that allows us to reduce the rent, um, the rent requirement for that unit. And thank you for clearing. I'm very familiar with that coming from Mr. Uh, but I know sometimes we use a lot of acronyms and we throw a lot of terms around and folks don't know what that means. So that is, uh, thank you for that explanation. Uh, I think this is a really good project. Let me say first, uh, glad to see that, is one, that it is a 100% affordable project. 
just a couple quick questions uh, relative. Are there folks that stay in this in this now, or is it is it vacant? Uh, it is currently vacant. Okay. Uh, second thing is, I, I see we tackled the parking question that we generally ask uh, that comes here. Is parking free? Uh, is there a monthly fee for parking? Uh, parking is there's no charge for a parking. All right, sounds good to me. And last but not least, this is a pretty this is an older building uh, and uh, historic in nature. What does ADA uh, look like here uh, for folks of our disabled community? Uh, is it going to be brought? Uh, is it up to code or is it ADA compliant now? Or what are the plans relative to uh, ADA? Uh, that's a great question, Mr. Chair. So because the building is historic, um, there were some limitations um, on what we were able to do to modify the building. Um, so it is up to all current building codes, but it will not be, um, it will not ADA requirements. Uh, and that is an exclusion because it is a historic building. We did, however, um, lay the building out and plan for future ADA improvements as we're able to pull together additional dollars. So there will be, uh, there are plans to include a ramp um, from the parking lot to the entrance of the building. Uh, so as we continue to bring additional dollars into the project, we will be able to do some additional upgrades to make it more accessible um, for folks with disabilities who may want to reside in the building. Okay, thank you. And again, it is my hope that, you know, if this project is approved, uh, that is what is looked at. Uh, I do understand the hurdles relative to historical structures uh, and how, quote unquote, some are grandfathered in relative to ADA. Uh, requirements uh, but I also always encourage developers uh, to uh, go a little bit further beyond uh, and, and ensure that we are uh, taking into account members of our disabled community uh, who may want to reside in these developments uh, that come before council and, and get approved so again thank you for your presentation today uh, look forward to that um, as well uh, any questions Member Vice Chair. Okay. Uh, do we have a motion to send line item 6.2 to formal with a recommendation to approve? Motion. Okay. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, again, uh, look forward to seeing this project. Glad that it is a 100% affordable uh, project, 60% and below AMI. Very good work. Thank you, Mr. Chair and Vice Chair. Thank you. Next, we move to line item 6.3, submitting a resolution of authorization for Jefferson Square 2023 Limited Dividend Housing Association, LLC, payment in lieu of taxes, pilot. MHT Housing Incorporated has formed Jefferson Square 2023 Limited Dividend Housing Association, LLC, in order to develop the project known as Jefferson Square. The project consists of 180 existing affordable family housing units located in a 32 building complex in an area bounded by Freud on the north, Dickerson on the east, Essex on the south, and Kitchener on the west. The preservation and rehabilitation project will include 16 one-bath, one-bed, one-bath, and 16 two-bed, one-bath apartments in addition to 132 two-bed, one-and-a-half-bath, and 16 three-bed, one-and-a-half-bath townhomes. Amenities include a playground, clubhouse, and laundry room. Tenant displacement will not be a factor given the plan for hospitality spaces during renovation and as it is anticipated that residents will return to their unit each evening and will have a fully renovated unit within a five-day period. 
Uh, and to speak to this, I think we have Ms. Donna McMillan from Sonera today. Uh, do I have a motion to open up line item 6.3 for discussion purposes? Motion. Thank you. Uh, Ms. McMillan, you are joining us today. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm yes. from I'm from MHT Housing, not Snare, but that's okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I said Snare. Pardon me. That's all right. From um, MHT, certainly... uh, we're, yeah. we're still on the last line item. It's been a long day, so pardon me. Uh, that's from okay. MHT Housing. Right. Um, and I do have a, a presentation as well. So if um... Mr. Leonard, if you can grant sharing capabilities, thank you very much. Let me make sure I grab the right screen. Okay, are you seeing this? Uh, we do not as of yet. Hmm. All right, there we go. Okay, um, hopefully this I can continue down because I don't see it on my screen, but thank you. Um, all right, the first presentation is for Jefferson Square. Uh, that is a 180 unit property that we have in in Detroit, in the south of Jefferson area. Actually, here's a map of where we're located. And you'll notice it's right here by the Greyhaven area. Um, it's a great community that we've been in that neighborhood for the last 30 years. This is a preservation of a 100% Section 8 property and um, right near the schools and near Victoria Park. And we have another senior building in that general area. It has 16 one bedrooms, 16 two bedrooms, 132 two bedroom townhomes and 16 three bedroom townhomes. Uh, we also, have ADA compliant units there. We have 14 barrier-free units. These units will be renovated by about $50,000 per unit. So we'll be doing a lot of work interiorly and we're doing significant energy improvements. So at a Section 8 property, as I know Chairman Durhall, you understand, you pay 30% of your income minus a utility allowance. So when we make these energy improvements, it actually benefits the residents because their utility allowances will go down. So um, they, these units will be, um, the, each unit has their own parking and it's all free. There's actually a, unit, a parking spot and a half per property. And uh, I think with that, I'll take any questions you might have. Thank you very much, Ms. McMillan. Uh, so parking, you answered my parking question. It's free. That's great to know for the residents. Um, and you have it broken down relative to what the per price is uh, per month. Uh, good to see this is 100% affordable as well, 60%. Uh, looks like the majority of the units, 50%. Uh, 10 units are below 50%. Is that correct? Well, they're all they're all going to be Section Eight. So yes, um, but we're going to be admitting um, residents at you know at the Section Eight level. So they'll be paying thirty percent of their income. We you know, most of the residents are probably closer to thirty percent area median income, but we can admit up to sixty percent. 
great, great to hear. Uh, can we talk about ADA compliance really quickly? Yes, we have 14 barrier-free units. We are ADA compliant. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm glad to hear that uh, as well. Uh, I think that actually concludes the questions that I have relative uh, to this project. Uh, I do want to ask one really quickly. I know we talked about displacement, uh, and there will be no residents displaced towards uh, in this project. Um, what does that look like as far as shifting folks around? It says that they're able to return, uh, I guess, each evening right. uh, after the work has been done. Uh, is there any right. asbestos removal or in anything of that nature that uh, will be harmful to residents? We do not have any, thankfully, any asbestos removal. So it, we will enter their units in the morning. We'll give them opportunity to use one of our hospitality spaces. They will be able to return to their home at five o'clock that night. We'll probably ask them to leave their unit maybe twice, once to do the bathroom and another time to do their kitchen, but they will return each night. We give assistance to the elderly as necessary, you know, moving their stuff around. And uh, we, you know, we're not new to this renovation um, business. So we definitely know how to take care of our residents and it's, pretty seamless. I'm glad to hear that. Sounds like a good project. Uh, any questions? No. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. I uh, do have a motion to send line item 6.3 to formal with the recommendation to approve. Motion. Okay. Hearing no objection, line item 6.3 will be sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. We will now move on to line or 6.3, I'm sorry, no, 6.3 to formal. We'll now move on to line item 6.4, uh, which is the McDonald Square 2023 Limited Dividend Housing Association. It's a resolution of authorization for a payment in lieu of taxes, otherwise known as pilot. MHT Housing has formed the McDonald Square 2023 uh, Limited Dividend uh, housing Association LLC in order to develop the project known as McDonald's Square. The project consists of one, uh, 108, 180, I'm sorry, existing housing units located in a 27 building complex in an area bounded by East Verner Highway on the north, Prince Hall Drive on the east and south, and Shane on the west. The preservation and rehabilitation project will include 32 one bed, one bath, and 48 two bed, one bath apartments in addition to 68 two-bed, one-bath, and 32 three-bed, one-and-a-half-bath townhomes. Amenities include a playground, clubhouse, and laundry room. Tenant displacement will not be a factor given the plan for hospitality spaces during renovation, as it is anticipated that residents will return to their unit each evening and will have a fully renovated unit within a five-day period. Do you have a motion to open up line item 6.4 for discussion? Motion. Thank you. And again, we have MHT's Miss uh, Donna McMillan to discuss line item 6.4. Thank you, Chair. Um, again, this, this is actually a sister property, the one that I just presented. It's called McDonald Square. It's in the Elmwood Park area. Again, MHT has been involved in this property. So this is a preservation of this, this particular property. We're using uh, MISHTA financing and tax credits on this. So we'll actually be receiving a 40-year um, mortgage similar to Jefferson Square. Uh, again, this is in the Elmwood Park area, beautiful area of Detroit. We have other properties. So 
Um, and we've been in this neighborhood for a number of years. Prince Hall Park uh, Place here is um, owned by MHT Housing as well. Uh, McDonald's Square, similar to Jefferson Square, has 188, 180 Section 8 units. Again, residents, every resident pays 30% of their income minus their utility allowance. Uh, they, we are receiving homes similar to Jefferson Square, so we are um, uh, required to admit 11 units at 50% area median income. In reality, most of our residents are closer to 30. You know, we have a waiting list that goes for over a year there. Um, here's our unit breakdown, 32 one-bedrooms, 48 two-bedrooms, and then we have two be 68 two-bedroom townhomes and 32 three bedrooms. And uh, here again, we are ADA compliant. We have four barrier free and we are doing renovations at an enterprise green level. So we are making significant improvements to um, lighting and water saving and making every effort to um, improve the residents uh, utility bills or decrease them as best we can. Here again, uh, everyone has free parking right outside their unit. And uh, I think it's a, a one and a half per resident uh, unit as far as parking spaces. We'll be doing $50,000 worth of uh, per unit renovation at the property. And we will be admitting, you know, we'll be entering these units at the beginning of the day and be re having those residents return at the end of the day. So no one will be displaced from their units. We have, you know, we're at 98 to 100% occupancy all the time. So we have um, great residents and uh, a great reputation in that neighborhood. All right, thank you. Uh, and I will say uh, this, I know this is a sister property to the previous. Uh, it is good to see these renovations happening uh, over in that area. They've been around for a while uh, and glad to see that uh, this that has been taken into account um, for these for these units uh, as we uh, continue to build here in the city uh, or, or rehab uh, what we already have. Uh, any questions? Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. And uh, thank you so much for your wonderful work. Yeah, I live right around the corner from McDonald Square. So uh, this, is, this is really personal to me. I just want to ask you, with these renovations, and I'm seeing it's at 60% AMI, but it's not going to be a cost to any of the residents that are there currently that, that exist. No. Right? Not a cost no. increase, excuse me. Not at all. They will, they will continue to pay 30% in their income. Excellent. Other than that, that's all I have. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Vice Chair. Uh, with that, uh, do we have a motion to send line item 6.4 to formal with the recommendation to approve? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 6.4 will be sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. Next, we will move to line item 6.5, submitting a resolution of authorization for Van Dyke 2023 Limited Dividend Housing Association, LLC, payment in lieu of taxes, otherwise known as pilot, MHT Housing has formed Van Dyke 2023 Limited Dividend Housing Association, LLC, in order to develop the project known as Van Dyke Center. The project consists of 200 existing housing units located in a eight-building apartment complex 
for seniors 55 plus and families in an area bounded by Gratiot on the north, Maxwell on the east, Farmworth on the south, and Van Dyke on the west. The preservation and rehabilitation project will include 138 one-bed, one one-bath, and 20 two-bed, one-bath senior apartments in addition to 42 two-bed, one-bath, and eight three-bed, one-and-a-half-bath townhomes. Amenities include a playground, clubhouse, and laundry room. Tenant displacement will not be a factor given the plan for hospitality spaces during renovation as it is anticipated that residents will return to their unit each evening and will have a fully renovated unit within a five-day period. Uh, do I have a motion to open up line item 6.5 for discussion? Motion. Okay. Ms. McMillan, this is your final one for today. I know. We've been, this is a busy year been, for very, us. Very so. busy year yes. for you. Uh, uh, so we're looking to hear hear about the Van Dyke uh, Van Dyke project is, as well. Well, Van Dyke obviously is on Van Dyke, and which gives a great location for catching the bus either downtown or out to the suburbs. It's, you know, right near Indian Village, and it's just a, it's a great community that, area has been we've been in that area for a number of years but we've also developed new construction stuff just down the road at 9100 Gratiot. but this one is a preservation of a 200 unit property that has both an elderly high-rise and townhomes so it makes it a little different than the two that i presented ahead of this um, but similarly we are going to be doing fifty thousand dollars a unit renovation in those units entering at the beginning of the day and leaving by, you know, five o'clock, all residents will return to their units. Um, we'll be helping seniors along. We'll be working with the residents all along, as a matter of fact, to make sure that this renovation goes smoothly. Um, as you mentioned, there's 131 bedrooms, 22 bedrooms, 42 townhomes, and eight three-bedroom townhomes. It is it is ADA compliant and uh, we have barrier free units, six of them. And our, again, our emphasis in our renovation will be energy improvements. We are meeting the uh, enterprise green standard. Our financing is coming from MISHTA and uh, we will be getting a low income housing tax credit as well. So with that, I guess I'll just open it again for your questions. Thank you very much, Ms. Ms. McMillan. Uh, Light tech going on there, so it's affordable mm -hmm. housing. Coming right back. Uh, and, and obviously this building is majority senior units. Um, right. At, at, this, at this unit or at this building. So I know you have six barrier-free units. Just a quick question. I know uh, that's a little bit more than what you're required to do, uh, I believe. Uh, but let me ask you, uh, what does the occupancy rate look like for those who are disabled uh, at, at a... Oh, for the disabled? Yes, at a project like I, this. I know you have six barrier-free units. Yeah, and we, you know, we have very, very little turnover. But so I would say it's 100% right now. And because we are 100% occupied right now. But I can I can actually go in and look and see what kind of a wait list that we have for barrier free units. It's not been an issue. We you know we have a number of properties in the area, and um, so what we'll do is um, we will manage maybe a different um, non Section Eight property and assist a person, and then when 
that ADA unit becomes available where we're willing to move them over to our senior section eight property. So we allow, you know, that opportunity, but I, I don't know off the top of my head, what kind of wait list we have, but we right now are hundred percent occupied. Okay. And just really quick, these renovations, they look more like uh, these bathrooms, kitchens. Yes. Um, yes. You know, uh, new lighting inside the units and new, appliances energy efficient appliances new tubs new new toilets um and exterior there'll be roofs there'll be hvac systems uh we'll be doing some improvements to the um, parking lots and uh so a lot of the um energy improvements are you know roof repairs and lighting exterior lighting okay great looking forward to it so uh, any questions? Okay, none from Member Vice Chair. I have no further questions. And I do have a motion to send line item 6.5 to formal with the recommendation to approve. Motion. Hearing no Thank you. Hearing no objection. Uh, oh, hearing no objection. That action shall be taken. Uh, Ms. McMillan, thank you so much for your presentations. Uh, and uh, glad to support projects, again, that have affordability, 100% uh, affordability. Uh, and then knowing that most of these, even though it's indicated 50, 60, 40, you know, AMI, whatever the case may be, most residents that live under there are really at 30% AMI uh, with vouchers. And so uh, this is huge for us as housing in the city of Detroit. And we're glad to hear that uh, these projects will be rehabbed uh, as well to provide for residents. So thank you again for that. Today. Thank you. Okay. Next, we will move on uh, to line item 6.6, .6, submitting a resolution of authorization for Hubbard Verner Limited Dividend Housing Association, LLC, payment in lieu of taxes, otherwise known as Pilot. Southwest Detroit Business Association and Senior Solutions have formed Hubbard Verner Limited Dividend Housing Association, LLC, otherwise known as the LDHA, in order to develop the project known as La Joya Gardens. The LDHA owns Unit 3 of the La Joya Gardens Condominium, a mixed-use new construction development structure as three separate condominium units and one four-story building. Unit 3 consists of 25 apartments in the area bounded by Toledo on the north, Hubbard on the east, West Verner Highway on the south, and Palms on the west. The project will include 24 one-bed, one-bath, and one two-bed, one-bath apartments. The site will also include 8,366 square feet of neighborhood-scale commercial space. Um, do we have a motion to open up line item 6.6 .6 for discussion? As a matter of fact, uh, Member Vice Chair, because these are yeah similar projects are, are together, uh, do I have a motion to discuss line item 6.6 .6 and 6.7 together? Motion. Okay, we will discuss line item 6.6 .6 and 6.7 together, noting that we'll vote on them separately uh, because they are two separate resolutions. Uh, who do we have today joining us for La Joya Gardens? Good afternoon, Chair. Good afternoon, Vice Chair. My name is Greg Mangan with the Southwest Detroit Business Association. And I'm Ed Potis. Development Manager for Snare Solutions Corporation. We're the co-developer. All right. Whoever would like to proceed first, go ahead. And uh, can you see the screen okay that we're sharing with you? Yes, we can. Thank you. All right. So La Jolla Gardens is a new construction development at 4000 West Verner Highway in Southwest Detroit in the Hubbard Farms Historic 
neighborhood. Um, like you mentioned earlier, this is a, a single development or two developments within a single building. So it's a 9%, 4% tax credit project with 25 units in the 9% and 28% or 28 units in the 4%. Um, we'll have first floor commercial space. There'll be a community space available and open to the public with a community cafe in the center of the development on the first floor. This is an approximately $24 million um, development of new construction just east of Clark Park. We uh, have been working with Sinair Solutions um, and with support from the city of Detroit, Mishta, and Invest Detroit. And I can go on to our site plan over here where we'll have some public space plazas um, in between the commercial spaces and nearby the community center. And we will have 40 parking spaces on site available for residents. Okay, Mr. This Magu, is an, I don't know. Yes. I don't know if you're moving forward in your presentation. We're still stuck on the first page. Um, oh, okay. But but let me just note for the public as well because it did not read line item 6.7, which includes unit two of the La Jolla Gardens condominium. That's mixed use new construction development structure as three separate condominium units and one four story building. And unit two consists of 28 apartments in an area bounded by Toledo on the North Hubbard on the, on the east, West Werner Highway on the south, Palms on the west. And the second part of this project will include 23 one-bed, one-bath, and five two-bed, one-bath apartments, uh, and also is included with the 8,366 square feet of neighborhood-scale commercial space. have to say that for the record as well because we are discussing both. Uh, and now we see your project. Okay. Great, sorry about that, we have a little technical difficulty. Yeah, so this is the project that will be on West Werner, located in between Palms and Hubbard and be the entire block of that um, block there on the south side of West Werner. This is the um, site plan here that I was referring to earlier, where we'll have a couple public plazas in between the commercial spaces and the community space that's in the center with retail along the Hubbard side and on the Palm side on uh, each end of the development with the residential units above and behind. And as far as our unit sizes and affordability, we have units starting at 30%, we have units at 40%, 50%, 80%, and we'll also have between the two uh, 11 market rate units. So we'll have eight at 30%, 12 of those units will be at 40%. 10 will be at 80% and uh, 11 at market rate. And there'll be six two bedrooms and 47 one bedrooms. Okay. And uh, this is a green enterprise community development to meet all the standards. Um, and we are capturing all the stormwater to meet the stormwater ordinance by the city of Detroit and uh, capture, retain, and detain all stormwater coming off the impervious surfaces on the building. And uh, yeah, it would be feel free to field any questions. Okay, so uh, I have a couple questions. Uh, want to talk about um, uh, the nine percent condo? Uh, just looking at some of these units, I know it says we got six units at eighty percent AMI, uh, one thousand one hundred and seventy a month. These are one bedrooms. What are the square footage for those? Those are 900 square feet. 
Uh, for the you're talking about the one bedroom or the two bedroom? Sorry, I'm talking about the one bedroom. It's, uh, I think uh, this is. Oh, oh yeah. Well, well, I see. I see your breakdown. So, uh, yep. The one bedrooms are 695 square feet, and the two bedrooms 900 square feet. Okay, at, at 80 percent AMI, um, and then you have five units at market rate. Correct. Which are the one bedrooms? Uh, uh, yep. This was just a little bit above that. Um, let me let's talk about parking. What does mm -hmm. what does parking look like for this project? So we have forty parking spots on site that are underneath and behind the development for the residents. Okay, and is parking included? Parking is included. Okay, so parking is free, just for the record. Yes, that's it correct. Okay. It's correct. Yep. Thank Parking you. Parking is free for residents. Okay. Uh, ADA units, ADA compliance. We have uh, seven barrier-free units, and the building will be fully ADA compliant. All the units will be visitable units. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, Member Vice Chair, any questions? Okay. Uh, and. I think that just I think that concludes my questions. Uh, again, we just had some concerns prior to this about the parking, uh, but now that has been answered, that is great. Um, uh, have you any community outreach? I know this is a they're very active community groups in this area, uh, to say the least. I had the opportunity of representing some of them when I served in the state legislature, so I know too well uh, about we have that a area. We have a great yeah, community. We did um, a six month participatory design with the community. Um, the, uh, a community member through a naming contest actually named the building. They were able to select from various choices on the massing of the building, how the public plazas and the spaces would look. Um, also the colors. Um, this is in a historic district, so it does have to be, it did go through historic district commission. Um, but we met, uh, we had uh, pretty substantial local stakeholder group meetings with the Neighborhood Farms Association. We held um, public engagement at First Latin Baptist Church, Crystal Ray School, um, Western International High School. And then we are also finalizing a um, questionnaire on the commercial spaces on what residents would like to see within those. We worked with Congress communities and have received uh, 500 questionnaires back on um, what residents would like to see within those um, retail commercial spaces inside the development. Uh, that, is, that is great to know. Again, uh, I know they're a very active community uh, over there. Uh, and so I'm glad to hear that you're engaging with the right folks, uh, right groups over there, uh, particularly uh, on the commercial space. Now, this is 8,366 square feet. I mean, any idea um, just preliminary of what that may be? Are you looking at you know, something relative to market? Are we looking at something relative to restaurants? You know, what, what, you know, what is it set up for now or what do you anticipate will be there? So um, we, within the community space, um, the residents have been clamoring for a um, cafe and coffee shop ever since Cafe Comeche closed about five years ago. So we will have a uh, cafe that's open, available to the public um, within that community space in the center. We've been talking with different Southwest Detroit-based businesses and other Detroit businesses for potentially restaurant, but also uh, retail. And we've been exploring ideas of 
retail pop-up for um, small businesses that would like to explore um, giving their goods services a, um, a try without having to uh, sign long-term leases where it could be a retail pop-up where they could sign shorter term below market rate leases to be able to utilize one of the spaces in there to test out their goods and products and see whether they're ready for a full brick and mortar space without having to commit to the rents and the long-term leases on that. That you know, not to sound too biased, but that's what I was thinking about. The closure of Cafe Con Leche was was huge in that area. Uh, so glad to hear that uh, we are thinking of, of that and engaging the community. Uh, that concludes my questions. Remember, Vice Chair, any more questions? No. Uh, so do we have a motion to send line item 6.7, I'm sorry, pardon me, 6.6 6, uh, to formal with the recommendation to approve? Motion. Okay, right. Motion. Here. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. And Member Young, do we have a motion to send line item 6.7 to formal with the recommendation to approve? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. If the clerk can note line item 6.6 .6 and 6.7 have been sent to formal with the recommendation to approve. Clerk shall note. Thank you. Gentlemen, thank, thank you, you so much for your presentation today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, that now takes us uh, to miscellaneous line item 6.8. Uh, Council member Gabriela Santiago Romero submitting a memorandum relative to the budget amendment request for $7 million of available ARPA funds. Uh, do I have a motion to discuss line item 6.8? Motion. Okay. Uh, member Young, uh, I, I spoke with uh, Member Santiago Romero relative to this item, uh, and we need to assign this uh, to the Office of the Chief Financial Officer. Uh, do I have a motion to assign line item 6.8 to the Office of the Chief Financial Officer? Motion. Okay. Uh, hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Again, line item 6.8 will be uh, assigned to the OCFO. Uh, hopefully, we will have an answer for Member Santiago Romero uh, before, or I'm sorry, after recess. Uh, but do we have anybody from the OCFO on? Uh, Mr. Chair, we do not have anyone present at this time. Okay. Uh, and is this the first that they are hearing of this request from the Member Santiago Romero? To my knowledge, yes. Okay. All right, so uh, that being said, we will bring back line item 6.8. Uh, we will bring it back uh, after recess. Uh, Chair, pardon me, Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Oh, okay, this is the issue involving uh, taking the money from um, shot spotter funds and moving this to uh, money for a uh, right to counsel, correct. Correct? correct? Is there anybody from the Office of Contracting and Procurement that could just I, I just have some questions about is that even something that we can do legally after you take a vote like that? First I asked for I don't know if I did ask for a motion to open it up for discussion line item six point yeah. just tell motion them. to open. Okay. Uh it's open for discussion. Um pardon me, uh, to uh the administration. Is it possible we can get somebody to chime in really quick? Um, yes, if you would just give me a moment, Mr. Chair. Okay, that that's fine. Do I have a motion to come back to line item 6.8? Because we have to uh, go back uh, to line item uh, 5.4 anyway. Uh, 
and we'll give the administration a moment to have a motion to uh, discuss line item 6.8 after we discuss line item 5.4. Motion. All right, so we will go back now to line item 5.4, status of council member Angela Whitfield Calloway submitting a memorandum relative to requesting ordinance to prohibit cashless establishments. Uh, do I have a motion to open up line item 5.4 for discussion? Motion. Okay, to the law department. Uh, what do we have? Um, so we have attorney Sharon Blackman online. Um, she may need to be promoted as a panelist, but she is online. Okay, Mr. Leonard, if we can promote Ms. Blackwell uh, as a panelist. I see Mr. Corley, you have your hand raised, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, LPD does have a lawyer assigned uh, to this um, request from Councilmember Callaway on an ordinance to prohibit cashless, cashless establishments but he would need um, time to work on it. So if you could please bring it back in January, that'd be great. Okay, sounds like a plan. And Ms. Blackman as well, I'm sure you'll be working on this as well. Uh, would you like yes. to speak to it? Uh, through the chair, I just second what uh, Mr. Irvin just said that uh, we could bring this, if we could bring this back in January, I'm just currently starting on it and researching other, uh, a lot of municipalities have enacted this and just looking at some, some other ordinance to see what they included or did not include, so. Okay. All right. Well, that being said, uh, Member Young, I do have a motion to bring back line item 5.4 to be determined. Uh, and that way we will schedule it after recess. Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 5.4 will be brought back TBD to be determined. Uh, that brings us back to line item 6.8. Uh, I think we are still trying to find someone from the OCFO uh, that can give us an idea uh, if they have received any requests uh, or any correspondence from member Santiago Romero's office or if they have anything relative to this question or just to answer your questions as well, member vice chair. Um, so I don't know uh, anybody from the administration. I know we had Mr. Washington here. Sorry about that, Mr. Chair. Um, I am not able to reach anyone at this time, um, but we can follow up if you're able to submit those questions. Okay. Uh, Member Vice Chair, Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. No, that's okay. I mean, let's just move on. I just, I, I, I just have, I, I understand the sentiment. I just have some concerns just, you know, about doing that in the president. So, but other than that, I'm done. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Vice Chair. All right. So there was already a motion to assign line item 6.8 uh, to the OCFO that has, that motion was approved, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Parliamentarian, Madam Parliamentarian. I know you've mentioned it. I don't recall if you actually voted on it. Okay. Uh, do I have a motion to send, uh, to assign line item 6.8 uh, to the Office of the Chief Financial Officer? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Now, do I have a motion to bring back line item 6.8 uh, to be determined? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Uh, noting that uh, I would hope uh, the law department, uh, I'm sorry, law department, uh, the OCFO uh, could get a uh, response to member Santiago Romero uh, expeditiously uh, relative to this item. 
uh, even though we are bringing it back, uh, noting that when we come back in January, we will be getting ready to get queued up for budget season. So uh, it will be a busy time. Other than that, that brings us to the end of our agenda. Member reports, uh, member vice chair. Yes, I have a member report. Give me of course you do. Who is it? Okay. I just want to let everybody know on Friday, November 18th at 12.30 p.m., the Michigan Military and Veterans Hall of Honor will be inducting my father, Mayor Coleman Alexander Young, into the Hall of Honor, and I'm going to be taking members of the Coleman A. Young American Legion Post 202 and members of the Tuskegee Airmen by bus. So the induction of my father will occur at the Michigan History Museum in Lansing, Michigan, at 12.30 p.m., that's Friday, November 18th, at 12.30 p.m. at the Michigan Military and Veterans Hall of Honor in Lansing, Michigan, at 12.30 p.m. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Vice Chair. Uh, as far as my member reports are concerned, uh, tomorrow uh, at 4 p.m., we will be having our Disability Task Force meeting located at the ARC Detroit 51 West Hancock Street at 4 p.m. That is our Disability Task Force meeting. I look forward to seeing uh, all the members of the task force there as well as other members of the public that may want to come and discuss issues relative to our disabled community. Uh, that, again, is happening tomorrow at 4 p.m. at 51 West Hancock. Uh, next, uh, we also uh, want to announce uh, that we will be having uh, our giveaway, our turkey giveaway, November the 19th uh, in District 7. This is our office's turkey giveaway. Uh, this will be at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Boys and Girls Club uh, on Tireman Street, 16500 mm -hmm. Tireman Street, the Boys and Girls Club. My office will be hosting a turkey giveaway uh, you can contact our office if you not have not already at 313-224-2151, 313-224-2151. This is while supplies last uh, for this turkey giveaway. Uh, and so uh, we are urging that if you know families in need or if you are in need, again, that is from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., we, uh, we will be having uh, our turkey uh, giveaway. Uh, just a couple closing remarks. This is our last budget finance and audit standing committee uh, for 2022. Uh, it has been an interesting uh, experience. I hope that we have provided some transparency into the budget process. Uh, but going into the new year, uh, we will try to uh, do even more and do even better. Uh, we have had robust discussions relative to ARPA uh, throughout this year. We have had robust discussions relative to uh, issues in our budget and have presentations uh, that lets members of the public into our budget process. We will continue that momentum uh, as we go into the new year. I'd like to thank uh, all of LPD, uh, Mr. Corley and the entire LPD staff, law department, the administration as well, and, uh, as well as our parliamentarians. I know sometimes we uh, make it look easy, uh, but this is not an easy process. Government is not an easy process. A lot of kinks in there, a lot of hard work and after our work that goes to the folks, uh, as I put the real brains 
uh, of the operation. So I'd like to, you know, send a personal thanks for them and their hard work as well. And finally, uh, I'd like to thank members of the public who have congratulated me, whether via text, Facebook, my phone has been blowing up. I cannot keep it charged. Uh, but thank you for your well wishes uh, on my nuptials and my and my marriage uh, to my bride, and, and really appreciate that. Uh, other than that, Member Young, there is no other business to come before us again this year. Uh, we will stand adjourned at the call of the chair.